0: Father, thank you for your voice in this hour, God. Thank you for your anointing that breaks the yoke, Father. Father, I ask that you build a hunger inside of our bellies, God. To hear you, God, in this hour, Father, what you're saying for us, prepare us, God. So that we can kill this flesh, Father. Walk into our destiny, Father. What the remnant church is supposed to look like, God. How it's supposed to operate, Father. We can shred all of the old man. Stop going back and forth around the mountain. So that we can be established in you, God, and stable in you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. So the name of this word is Offered Up. And lately, actually, Joe and Shane have been talking about, you know, that that verse in um, Peter... About no strange three, no strange thing, and the fiery trials that are to try us. And actually, because I, I preached on that like a year ago, and I was thinking like this is like no strange thing, part two kind of. But it's kind of a different aspect of what it means when we really offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. How this how this thing works. How we shred this old man. How we come out of Egypt. How we walk into a destiny. We're not just People that get born again and throw a party. We actually, there's things that God is shredding off of us. There's mindsets that are being broken. There's a destiny for us, there's a place for us. And it's not, I'm not trying to talk about this arriving thing where you're seated and people serve you. It's more of like this after a time of being built up. And as, an, as a sacrifice, you start to understand the voice of the Lord. You start to know what your strongholds are in life, the mindsets that tear you back, how do, when the accuser of the brethren comes with his same old games, how you cast those things down. And it's just that getting mature, and you understand that there's a destiny, and the offenses that come in, we can start having that that filter on our mind, and everything that goes with, walking this thing out. So when that the fiery trials come, when Satan comes, or when God turns the heat up, there's this establishment that He's doing inside of us that we can have this mind of Christ to walk out what He wants us to walk. So Romans 12 1 through 3. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's a pretty popular verse. And um, it kind of goes against all that theology of Well, I'm saved, so everything's good now. But there's this this sacrifice. And a lot of times, when we're under like a heavy presence of God, or we're under a lot of conviction, or we're in a big trial in life, we offer ourselves up to God because we've come to the end of ourself. And we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, and we're full of just zeal for the house of God. And we're like, we're ready, God. But then... It happens to all of us. That moment where we offered ourselves up, there comes a time where we kind of get back into the normalcy of life, and then the devil comes, and then the, or God turns the heat up, and then we're ready to jump off the altar. And God was kind of showing me the two different ways. Because when we jump off the altar, really what we're doing is we're exalting ourselves above the Word of God, and we heard it so many times. But there's two kinds of ways that we exalt ourselves above the Word of God. One is with our past where people have done to us. And we know this one where they're all, we, we say, but you don't know what this person did to me. I was abused. My mom did this. My uncle did that. This person stole money from me. And we know all about those things, that lack of forgiveness and exalting our former circumstances what was done to us above the Word of God. But then there's also ones that's our own transgressions, and the devil really messes with us with these. So we offer ourselves up to God, but then we we sin again we go back and do something that we know isn't part of our new nature but then it kind of gets repetitive and you keep doing it and it feels like this kind of like justified condemnation because you keep messing up and then the devil comes in and he says well you really can't get forgiven the hundredth time because you kind of messed up and this is just kind of who you are and then he starts telling you well the people at church are actually kind of talking about you, how you always mess this up, and it's kind of just best if you just go sit on the side. So that's like you're casting your own transgressions, not what people have done, what you've done above the Word of God, and really God doesn't like that because we're still looking at ourselves because it's never about us. Even if I mess up a hundred times and I'm still walking this earth, God wants me to get right with Him, but we say like, oh man... I offered myself up. I gave a big testimony. I told everyone I was ready to go. And then you, you fall short, and then the devil comes and starts to whisper at you, like, oh, you really can't go back now. It's happened so many times. But really, it's not even about you. It's about how God can get glory after you've messed up a 100 times that he can now deliver you from that still. Because it's not about us. And when we look at it, in that way of, well, it's just who I am. God doesn't really like that either. Because, and God was showing me this, when we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, we're actually going into battle. We're going into war. So before you offered yourself up to the Lord, you know, the devil has you. You're not really fighting him. So he leaves you alone. But when you offer yourself up you say I've had enough of this world God put me in your kingdom father I want to do your will well now you have an enemy and the devil's going to come after you and this is where the faith you have to f- trust that this armor is on you because you're exposed and so now you're an enemy from well you're an opponent of satan now because you've come out of his kingdom so now you've got an adversary because a lot of times we think oh I just offered myself up where's my blessing?" Well, the blessing's coming, but also because what did Jesus promise? He promised blessing and persecution. And we offer ourselves up. And the first thing when the fire gets hot or we get an adversary like, God, what, that's not fair. And then both off we go. But God said we have this armor and we have to trust that it's on because we're offered up. We're open to the whole spiritual realm now. Satan can't deceive us how he used to. But now he's coming at us in a whole different way to try to disarm us from walking this thing out, walking where we're supposed to be going, because it's so much more than once saved, always saved, and say a prayer, fill out the card, you're saved, how many more can we get? Because you're not really tearing down strongholds, and it's all throughout the Bible. And then, let's go to Luke 14. Talking about counting the cost because I was just talking about how, you know, we get overwhelmed by the stresses of life, and that's the time where we just jump on the altar, and then the first little trial comes and we jump right off. And now we're going to talk about counting the cost. It's kind of, and don't feel condemned if you've jumped off the altar or you've been one of those people because we've all done it because you can still count the cost and jump back in. That's the whole thing. It's not about us, it's about, okay, I'm dead now, God, bring your glory on me. And about the mind of Christ, I, was actually, I don't remember what book it's in. If someone wants to pull up that verse, it says, God, or Jesus, didn't think it was robbery to consider himself equal with God. Let that mind also be in us. Because if you read that in the carnal mind, it's like, hey, you're not equal with God. Well, in the Jewish tradition, you're equal with your father because you have the same inheritance. So it's that kind of thing where I'm, I have access to this kingdom. I have this mind not like free of false humility, the mind of Christ that says, I have access to this stuff, that I can tear down strongholds, that I can walk in the fruits of the spirit, the seven spirits of God. That's what it means to be equal with God. It's not that I'm a God and I, I create things and I, name, you know, that kind of thing. We're like in the carnal interpretation, but I'm equal with him and that I can have that, that mind, that I can have that the spirit of righteousness and long suffering on me. So now we're going to go to count the cost. Luke 14:28 through 35 For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and count the cost, whether to he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. And see, that's what the devil does, because the devil's going to plant the seed in you. Well, you oh wow you laid that foundation down and look you walked away you know everyone's mocking you right now They're kinda, but it's like the devil mocks verse 30 saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king going to make war against another king sitteth down not first or else he will. while the other is yet a great way off he sendeth an ambassage I don't know that sounds like a peacemaker i never seen that word and desireth a condition of peace. That's kind of what people do when they realize, like, you know, a spirit comes in the church, and then it's like too much to handle, so they want to... Let's just kind of tolerate it a little bit, because I really don't want to fight that thing. I counted the cost. It's pretty nasty stronghold on that person. We'll just kind of tolerate it. But here's another interesting part. As he gets going, he says, so likewise... Whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good if the salt has salt is good, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith it shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. No, not fit for the land or the dunghill. It's kind of like being lukewarm because you can't even put it in the dunghill, because sometimes we need to go to the dunghill, because that's what, we taste that vomit, we taste that nastiness, and we go to the dunghill, hill. you're like, right, God, your way is so much better, but if you're kind of in this in-between, where you've made peace with the, the demons, like, you know, I'm saved, but it's just kind of hard, so I'm just going to kind of hang around here, and just wait to go to heaven, it's like God can't really do anything with that, He's like, I'll just go to the dunghill, and see how much it stinks, and then I'll raise you back up, but, People just kind of want to stay in that middle ground they let the torment come in and just kind of wait for Jesus to come back. And that's actually where a lot of people are at right now because they see the state of the world and they're like, oh my God, the Antichrist kingdom's being established. Jesus, just take me now. I can't take this anymore. But actually, I'm going to get into that later about the end times church and how everything's getting twisted around. So it's the verse I was talking about in the beginning. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Because if you read that in your carnal mind, it's like, God, how am I going to be joyful during sufferings? It's just that trust in His promise, though. In the beginning, it's actually the hardest, but then you start getting a little testimony of deliverance, of seeing the Lord work, and then you're like, oh, you're right. And that's in the beginning when the fire's the hottest because you haven't felt it before. That's actually the time to just ride it out the most because it's actually one of God's promises. He will do these things. And then Peter says in the next chapter, Um, chapter 5, verse 10, But the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, He'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's kind of what I was talking about in the beginning, where after you go through these things, you start to understand the mindsets and everything. You have this foundation to stand on. So anything that comes against you, you'll be able to withstand it because of your testimony. You can look back on the things, the faith to faith, the glory to glory we heard about, what it really means, the testimony of coming through things, of being able to stand on things. Because we're always just being offered up and then fall down, and offered up and fall down. There's never really, you don't have that testimony yet, but even if you have been offered up and keep falling down, that's the whole thing where it's not about your transgressions, and don't exalt your weakness above the Word of God, because God will do what he has to do for you for his church because it's not really about us, it's about his church. And so, with talking about like walking this thing out from being born again to walking into our destinies, I mean, it's pretty much all an Exodus about them coming out of Egypt. Um, about how it's not just about getting born again, it's not just about one testimony of being saved, because I've seen people, they have, you know, amazing testimonies. But then that becomes kind of their ministry where they go around telling their testimony all the time. It's like they, they talk for two hours and it's an hour and 55 minutes of being on drugs gangbanger and then five minutes the Lord saved me and it's over with. And it kind of, and then I've noticed some people actually get jealous of people with like real wild testimonies. And God loves those testimonies because he can anoint them for a time And we've seen it in prisons where shame gives his testimony and, you know, the window of heaven opens up. But it's not about just this, I have a testimony of being saved because, and then the people who get jealous of it, it's like, I wish I would have been delivered to that many demons so I could be standing up there giving my testimony. It's like, I've seen it. All right, so into um, the whole thing of being delivered out of Egypt. And everything that had to go with it. So the first thing, Exodus thirteen seventeen, And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that was near for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to... Not repent like repent to the Lord, like repent, like turn around, head back to Egypt. The people repent when they see that, and they return to Egypt. So even in the midst of that, he was kind of protecting them right away. He knew how to handle them. And then two verses later, nineteen, this is interesting. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Because Joseph was the one who had all the favor in Egypt. And over the course of generations, you know, Israelites fell out of favor. But they took the bones of Joseph because God was showing them, like this structure I'm giving you. All those promises that I gave through Abraham all the way to Joseph, all those, that blessing I'm giving you that foundation with these bones. Now I'm going to tear everything out of Egypt and put it on these bones of Joseph, kind of in a spiritual manner. But when we come out, like I was saying earlier, when we come out of Egypt, now we have an adversary. So now the Pharaoh, God actually tells him, well, he hardens his heart in 13, uh, 14, 5 through 8. He says, what is it? yeah. yeah. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. You know, life in Egypt wasn't good for them, but you can imagine it kind of came to this routine of things where it was like they made peace with Egypt, and that's just the way things are going to go. But the second they decided... Well, God decided. He's like, I'm gonna get you out of here, and they were like, Yes, let's get out of here. But now they have an adver- You have a pursuer. So, something is after us to steal our destiny. Something is coming for us that we have to be prepared for. Um, which we see, and then, of course, right after that, God shows His hand mighty. In um, 1431, when. Well, I don't have to read it, but you know the story. They got surrounded in the Red Sea, and they said, Oh, God, why did you pull us out of Egypt? Was there not enough graves for us there? And then the Red Sea parts. they walk through it. Egypt is demolished. And then in uh, chapter 15, it says, The children of Israel sang a song unto the Lord and say, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. And then, you know, we all know the rest of the story. Israel was blessed forever, and everything was good. Amen. No, right? Because they just got the Red Sea parted and now it really began. Like it really began. They got out of the Red Sea because everyone knows that story. It's the God who parted the Red Sea and took us out of Egypt. But it's like that's really just the beginning of the testimony because hardly even any of those people made it. Because now there's like, all right, I got to get this mind of Egypt off me. Everything that comes at me that says I can't do what I'm supposed to do. And so, after 40 years in the wilderness, Joshua becomes anointed. In chapter 3, where is that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the jordan and all the israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over the jordan and i, I know i spoke on this last week but like i didn't even know god parted the jordan and that's really the miracle of everything god wants us to walk into like they got offered up we're ready to go and then god does like a final thing now to take the land because There is a time coming for us where this whole paradigm shift is going to happen because everyone thinks the end times church is about we're going to move in the mountains, we're going to grow food, and we're just going to try to stay out of everyone's way and, you know, just kind of rough it out there. But God's actually preparing us for a time where it's going to be to take the land because it says the gates of hell will not prevail, meaning like we're going to have to do something about what's coming, not in like get all your bullets and stuff. but well, There's going to be a showdown between Eliza and Jezebel in these last days and so many people think that it's just kind of this hiding thing and so many people are hiding in their caves mentally by storing up food and moving up into the mountains thinking that that's all that's going to happen. But we know when we can feel for the people that are really hearing the voice of the Lord that there's going to be a time where it's going to be like take the land. Are we ready? And it's going to be like well how do we do that? The, the Antichrist government we can't travel we can't do any of this stuff. Well it's like Well, what report are you going to come back with? It's the same thing as the end times as it was the report of Joseph and Caleb with the other ones. The other ones are going to say, well, we can't do this because Pharaoh said this or the giants are too big. And the other one's going to be like, well, I have a testimony now. I've been been going through this fire. I'm established. I've seen what the Lord can do. I'm ready for this thing. And that's why God is doing that right now. He's establishing this church for the remnant time so that they have a testimony when it's ready because if we don't have a testimony of Him coming through, if we don't have a testimony of understanding what we're going through and that we have an adversary, when this all goes down, not not casting fear, but when we can feel what's coming, people are just going to freak out and lay down and make peace. Hey, let's just make peace. What do, what do I got to do? I got three kids. to Let's just make a little bit of peace right now. And it's setting people up for you can kind of feel it right now. I just kind of look around and kind of get sad because like by now I can kind of tell who in our lives is going to be encouraging us to pick up our cross in these times and then who are going to be the people nailing us to it. And it's going to be probably Christians that are going to be like, take it easy. Let's just come on, make peace with our adversaries. And a lot of people in the world are going to be like, But this, I think those are to be the ones that are going to be attracted to the sons and daughters that are walking in the spirit of Elijah, because they're going to be like, oh, there's something different about this. <clears throat> all right, I want to go to Joshua 5, 9. So this is after they crossed the Jordan, and God told Joshua, on that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, and they feared as they feared moses all the days of his life so that anointing had been transferred onto joshua and then later after god told um joshua to circumcise all the men of israel because they lost that tradition or really it was a mandate from god they stopped doing that while they were in the wilderness and god said i want you to do this again before they take the land i want that mark of god on my people i want that separation that because everyone inside the walls of Jericho, they had heard rumors of these people, just like they're going to hear rumors of the sons and daughters of God manifesting. There's going to be rumors around, and these people are going to accept, expect to see a mark on these people, someone who's gone through something. And so Joshua circumcised. We all know It's a physical circumcision in this book, but it's the spiritual circumcision that's coming in the end times where people are going to walk with the mark of Christ on them, and people are going to bear witness to this. And then God told Joshua, after he circumcised, all the men. He said, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Where the name, and the name of this place is Gilgal unto this day. After he did this, they had the full mark of God on them. He says, This day I have pulled Egypt off of you. And even at this point, it sounds like Joshua has arrived. And he has to a certain degree in that he's established and he had the anointing of same thing on, on him that Moses did. And that it's not, we're not talking about single people in the end times church. We're talking about the bride now. But it's that thing where he's like, now I have Egypt off of you. But there's always the but. Then he tells them to go in the land and he says, and ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. Meaning if you go into the land and you start coming into agreement. With anything in there, guess what? All that curse from Egypt's gonna be right back on you. He says when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So it's like at the same time, God's gonna establish us so that we can hear him. But a lot of people they take this thing where we're gonna have the mind of Christ and be perfect as he is perfect, and the old man has passed away, and I'm gonna just breathe fire till the day I die. Like there's always this. The faith to faith, the glory to glory. The, there's always going to be more, and there's always going to be something you're going to have to battle. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's, It gets easier is not the word, but you start to understand the spiritual realm. You start to understand your destiny as you walk it out. But at the same time, there's always going to be this thing lingering because we have a pursuer. They're not happy when you're tearing down strongholds. They don't just... they'll find different tactics and they might not mess with you the same thing but there's always going to even if they don't come after you personally but now the end times church is the body of Christ they're going to go for one of the sheep and if one of the sheep gets it well now it's in the atmosphere and so some of us can get it so there's always this place on the altar now where it's I got to check it to make sure I'm right so I can keep this thing straight <sighs> No, know I talked about that one already the last thing I want to talk about is, because without the revelation of understanding that we have a destiny and we're going places, and if it just matters if you're born again, people don't understand there's this thing that we have to guard. Like, how serious was God, God about guarding the Ark of the Covenant? Now it's, this, now it's the church, the presence of God inside of us, the temple of God that we heard about. Now we have to guard this thing. And then God was showing me today that the world actually guards devil guards his kingdom like a million times better than the church guards its doors. I was watching this thing on um, TV, and they're interviewing this guy, and he just randomly starts to like, give a testimony about Jesus, and they just go like, oh, technical difficulties. Can't say that on TV. Like They're so serious about keeping Jesus outside of their walls, but then the church just lets anything in in the name of love and the name of making peace, but that's going to have to change. Where it's gonna to be to know the difference between tolerating something and long-suffering with things because right now the church just tolerates everything. And then you have people that come under the legalist mind, and then they wanna just Jezebel spirit, throw her to the dogs, throw her over here. Like, there's like a balance between it. It's like if someone's got a big Jezebel or someone you can tell if someone's coming in, a spirit, not even a person, if that spirit wants to. Taste the glory, if they want to go boldly to the throne of grace, if they want to taste freedom, and you can tell when people are trying to churn things up, but if you don't have any of the discernment or any of the... Really, it's like the spirit of Saul And God was showing me. It's because they just want to be liked. So they're just going to tolerate everything. And God said, one of the traits of... or one of the fruits of the spirit is long-suffering, but then he rebukes the church for tolerating. So it's like, how do we know the difference? And it's only... When we have this mind of Christ in us, when we start to understand, oh, wow, I've been tolerating something. And not to go into that place where you want to cut its head off, but now I got a long supper with this thing. If I can see in the spirit of this person, this spirit actually wants to come under the anointing and get delivered, because that's where the legalists come in. Like, boom, Jezebel, done. Leviathan, done. It's like, there's a balance to it. Um, I think that's about it, so... I'll just pray real quick. Thank you, Father, for this church that you're raising up right now, Father. Father, I call forth real watchmen that will be bold for you, God, for your church, Father, that won't cower away, that won't make peace. It's really fake peace, God. We don't want any fake peace anymore, spirit of Saul, Father, inside of us, because we are the temple too, Father. Pull those things out of us, God that make us fear men, that make us fear systems, that try to intimidate us away from our destiny, God. Any mindsets that creep in, Father? Father, ask for endurance in the fiery trials, God, that we can know about the glory, that we can can hold on to the glory, Father. That when we offer ourselves up, we can count the cost, And we can do it boldly, Father. And we can cast down any mockers that mock us if we keep messing up or if we look stupid or any of those things that aren't of the bride that no one's really doing anyways that we imagine in our own mind. Thank you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.